welcome to the Library Ideas Podcast. I'm your host, Jen. I'm a public service teen librarian and branch manager. And I'm Christina. I'm a public service uh, library employee and an artist. And this podcast was born out of a series of conversations that Jen and I have been having for years. Yes, we love ideas. We love stumbling upon them and researching to learn more about how they were born. And we are always looking to improve the visitor experience at our library. And I will even say we seek to improve even the staff experience. Yeah. We share great experiences that we have at other libraries and museums and retail establishments with each other. We're always looking to steal ideas from other places. And we wanted to share what we're thinking with you so that you can steal these ideas and let us know what you've been thinking about. Exactly. The conversation online is where we're going to get these discussions about these ideas, about these topics to really come alive. So we have a call out to you listeners. We want to hear where your mind wandered to and what it brought back as you listen to what we had to say today. Please share your thoughts. You have the perfect audience right back at you with Christina and I. So please join our conversation on Twitter at Library Ideas Pod. So today's topic is curbside services. And Christina, this was your idea, and the timing couldn't be more spot on. Um, it was like May 18th seemed to be the kickoff, at least around here, um, Northeast Ohio, that many yeah. libraries were either starting to think about curbside, launching curbside, or um, announced plans to start it. For example, June 1st seems to be another big day that we're going to see curbside services at libraries. We are not starting quite yet, so we have time to, you know, look at the best practices. But what struck you to sketch this out weeks ago? Uh, well, I, um, I guess I just assumed that we would be doing it. It kind of had been tossed around that that might be a good way to um, reopen without reopening the building, to get people materials without having people in the building, and... Um, and it seemed like a good idea at the time, but I also n- had heard, you know, that in Europe they had been quarantining books for like a week or something. And I just remember thinking like that is going to radically change, you know, because we have like hot pick books that are, you know, are popular that are o- only circulate for a week, like are checked out to the patron for the week. So... um I thought when you add a whole week of quarantine onto that or like or our hot pick movies are three days if it's in quarantine for a week like that is just gonna really reshape how people like get through the holds list and um and then I started reading negative like think pieces and library journal about like don't do returns that you know retail environments are are really looking to not do returns anymore and we should be looking at at um, at retail services' reluctance to take materials back as a huge warning sign that maybe um, maybe it was a problem to be circulating surfaces. Well, it's funny you mentioned that you were looking at the retail sector, like what how are they behaving? Because to back up, like when this first hit, curbside service is a completely foreign concept for libraries um although we were getting ready to close or we didn't know we had a feeling we were going to close so i'm backing up to like let's say march 15th or so 
um, we just started hacking like a quick checkout service modeled after Chipotle. I remember we were yeah. talking like, hey, we have these donated brown paper bags that wouldn't work for the book sale. Um, what happens if we package them up like Chipotle and did a pickup service um, to folks? And we had one lady who was just like blown away that we hacked this together. Um, and then we started thinking of our patrons who, um, you know, who struggle to come into the library. They're, they're vulnerable, they're older. And we said, okay, we can do curbside for one of two of these patrons who appreciated that they could wait outside and did feel like coming into the library would be a real risk and a struggle. Right. So it just seems silly now, but um, I did do research on the best practices for curbside and pickup services. Um, again, because it was so foreign, I had no idea. It looks easy, but you know, there's always like a back end to how well these these have to run. Mm -hmm. And we did think of Chipotle, but then um, you told me about Joanne and a crazy experience that you had there. Yes. So um, about, it might have been really mid-April, honestly, I um, ordered some fabric online and they said they had curbside pickup and um, to just call the store when you arrived and that the employee would find your vehicle. But when I when I got there, it was just the regular parking lot. I guess in my mind, I had pictured like designated pickup spots, kind of like Applebee's has, has like little curbside spots. And I, so I, I just, I did, I wasn't sure where to go. And it was so crowded. It, yes. I, which I also was not <laughs> expecting, which is like crazy now to think like, well, of course they were like the only thing that was open. The only thing to do. Yeah. Right. But it didn't really occur to me that people would be, I mean, because I, I was, like, scared of <laughs> stuff. I mean, like, we were still going, we were still getting takeout from restaurants was, like, our weekly act of, act of bravery in my household. But um, but I just, yeah, I hadn't been looking to, like, hang out in a retail environment. And then and then that Joanne, so then I, I ended up standing in line and... Well, that was the peak. That was like we were we were going about to go over the hill uh, that time period in April, so it was scary. And I remember because my grocery store is right next door to where you were, the line to get in was going across the entrance to the grocery store. Yeah, <laughs> like what is this? Yes, yeah. So I was not expecting to stand in line, and they had spots even marked out like every six feet for like I don't know 12 people and then after that a bunch of people were just crowded up because it's like I mean yeah. how much sidewalk do you have like you can't mark out more that's than true. you know if it's six foot increments that's a, a set amount of spots you can have so I was uh, I was pretty surprised to see that and pretty nervous about you know what would curbside look like if people are all hopping out of their cars because now they're bumping into each other and you know you now you're dealing with people like cars naturally keep people distanced mm -hmm. <laughs> but as soon mm -hmm. as you get right. out of your car you're not distanced anymore and and so yeah I was like oh there is so much to figure out in terms of you know setting up a clear system and really marking the system well you need when people pull up they need to be able to even if they didn't read on your website what the directions were 
figure out what they're supposed to be doing. Yes. Because yes. otherwise they're going to get out of their car <clears throat> and now you're dealing with a crowd. Well, I have hope that we can figure this out because um, I found that the first curbside was in Texas and it was 1921 and it was called the pig stand <laughs> and um, it was a restaurant. I found out, I so I did more research. It was a restaurant and um, huh. it added a, ca- a car hop. I've never heard of a car hop. Sorry. I've just never heard of one because that's when the Model T's were coming out. So I figured, okay, if they, you know, this concept is not new, you probably don't need the technology the back end to run this. We could figure this out without without all the fancy stuff, I'm sure. But let's get into, for example, like the theory of curbside. We were talking about this. Let's talk about the theory of curbside. Is it safe? What do we need to know before we start? Um, do you want to pick away at that or you want me to start? Um, yeah. So it, in my mind, it seems like um, supplies you know, you need to figure out supply. Are we packaging this stuff? Or are we handing people loose books? Are we, you know, like labels for things? If we're packaging stuff ahead of time, how do we know whose is what? So like, are we printing out the receipt and then stapling it? But does that have the person's name on it? Like, do we need to be putting the names on receipts? Or like, you know, like think through every step of, okay, what would this actually look like in practice? Because if we're, I mean, and we do this with Holtz, Internally, sometimes you have to write the name and stuff. You just adapt. But ideally, you know, you design it so it would be as seamless a process as possible. Or if we decided we didn't want names, you know, would there be some sort of number system and people know their number? Um, and then training and procedures. Yes, yes, so yes, yes. So <laughs> you're designing all of this stuff, and but you're making sure that your staff knows everything and then also clear directions so it's like all of the internal communication of making sure staff knows what they're supposed to be doing and all of the external communication in terms of making sure your patrons know what the new procedure is and that is something that also had me concerned when I heard um, different states where they were having trouble with um, enforcing like mask wearing or people just being upset because they don't know what to expect and they're (laughs) frustrated with the situation and it seems like the more you can streamline the process and get everyone kind of mentally prepared before they're interacting the less likely you are to have these outbursts where now staff is dealing with someone who's irate like it's already a complicated situation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you really Mm -hmm. don't want to be dealing with like any surprises at point of sale is going to just be extra friction and it's a powder keg kind of a situation so we just want to like keep calm every you know like the more we can convey a very clear procedure yes i think goes a long way to like just keep you know that's just a crowd keeps the calm right yeah it keeps the calm and then then things like limited hours yes you know you can do something for four hours and keep a sense of calm and somewhere between six and eight hours you know, you hit a breaking point. Like, we're all human. And just recognizing, you know, the less time that you are asking people to do this, the more they're going to be able to focus and, you know, maintain all of the clean surfaces. And just the, the longer you're in that in a shift, the more, you know, by the end of the shift, you're cutting corners, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you're yes. more likely to be frustrated because of all of the interactions <laughs> ahead. So, 
you know, just kind of working that into the system of like, okay, if we really want everything to be at its best, then we need to be making sure that we're not overextending staff. Yes. And it seems, yeah. yeah, it just seems like, you know, all of this, <clears throat> all of these new procedures at the hours that we were before, I don't know how feasible that really is, especially when you have a location that's maybe, you know, only two people working in the evening. Can, can we do all of this yes. with two people? Right. Some, a lot of our staff is furloughed, so that's another thing that we have to consider in theory is the staffing to do this. And I will say we're in a unique situation. We left our holds button, I guess, turned on. So this whole time since March, when did we close, 18th, um, people have been able to put holds on. And so I was talking to our head of our IT department. I said, Ryan, the minute we turn back on our holds list to start printing them off. Is there a way we could do March 18th first, March 19th, March 20th? You know what I'm saying? Because, right, or you're gonna, yeah, do them in order. Or can you give us a week before we turn on curbside to run these lists and get it caught up to present day? So when we launch curbside, those orders coming through that day and forward are, can align perfectly where you're not saying, well, you ordered it today, we're still playing catch up. Right. Uh, it's gonna be ready Friday next week right. sometimes. So that's some things, I don't know if other branch or other libraries turned off their ordering, um, but we left it on. Right, yeah, so. and I think it's probably a patchwork. <laughs> I did notice, I so I've been like compulsively looking at other libraries statements <laughs> just to see like okay what is everybody else doing like what's normal like what would be you know even in the realm of expectation and so yeah new, it, uh, new york public library said we've turned off our holds so don't worry about that <gasps> um it was yeah it was interesting to read you know more local systems or, or like e smaller like one-off branches versus larger systems you know, it seemed like larger systems were more cautious and more um, in keeping with each other's policies, whereas oh. some of the one-off systems, especially locally, are, you know, it's kind of this Wild West mentality of, like, oh. all <laughs> yes. over the place. You know, like, it could be whatever just seemed, which I, I don't know, is, like, super interesting to, to just watch how it plays out, you know some things it is like if this is if you know this service is essential to your community and you can make decisions for one individual community that's kind of nice well, yeah but i'll talk about later when we talk about like best practices i'll talk about one that is i think has done it really well but then i'll also talk about one and I, i'm very curious as to how it's working because um well i'll get into it later but it's a local library that just seemed like it <sighs> It launched it quick, but I'm questioning if they launched it, if they thought everything through, yeah. or if it was just a knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. So we'll get into that one later. I don't want to spoil it. So spoiler. <laughs> no, it's not a spoiler. I haven't revealed who it, who it is. I won't say the it's library a teaser. system, but I'll, the teaser. Yes, thank you. <laughs> All right. So in theory, did we cover everything in theory? Like, oh, 
the limited hours, I agree, clear instructions. The infrastructure has to be there, both internal and external. Mm-hmm. Um, someone brought this up, like we have a, a neighboring library system that's in like the center of a very busy town, cute, quaint, historic town. How do you do curbside when they don't really own the parking lot in the back? It's somehow connected to like a grocery store. And then they're on oh. like the main street. So how do you safely do curbside and it's just something i haven't thought about is that your location ours is very easy um but you do have to have an infrastructure of this is where you return this is where you do this this is so you have to have the space to do that Um, and some of our libraries even in our system they're struggling because not all of our um, parking lots are efficient to make this work or right the efficiency aspect i guess of it is very difficult so i didn't even think of that so i'm like oh yeah so that's a good um, point because we have a um it's a historic house um it's called san hewitt and so it's open like a museum and they made what i thought was a fantastic idea they they've opened up their they have these lavish gardens um, that they pay a lot to landscape yes. and maintain, and and they've opened it to the public. You don't have to be a member right now to walk their property. They said, come out and walk the property. We just want people to enjoy the garden, which I thought was a great idea. But the particularly the first day, I was driving just past, and the cars were backed up. They were at capacity because they, you know, they figured out whatever their new capacity would be. But they had at least 30 cars lined up down the street. Oh, my goodness. And so that was causing kind of a curve. Our neighbors would not like that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yes. Right. So that's another thing to consider is, right, you're in these communities in a physical way. And so, yeah, encouraging people to crowd right now. You know, depending on how close, you know, if your if your properties aren't to where you can like be spaced from the library, that's oh geez, that's such a nightmare. Actually, it, so let's get into like what makes it work because there is a way where you could stagger how many the volume, the capacity. There is a way um, that you could say we are only opening up six spots. We are going to um, pace them to be every fifteen minutes. So I guess we can control when folks are coming to pick stuff up. Whereas I don't know if if you have something completely open and I'll, and I'll get into the teaser. That actually is a good point because that might be a problem for my teaser location um, because of the way they have it set up. But in theory, if you have it where you say, you know, Miss Smith, you're at 10, Miss Jackson, you're at 10.15, Mrs. Asher, 10.30, um, you could pace these things out and then, right. um, yeah, so I guess there is a way, and then it, that's hmm. that's how it makes it work for you and your staff is that you're not scrambling around like chickens with your head cut off trying to fill everybody's, you know, I can feel, I, I sense that everyone would want like 1030. It seems like in our library, 10 and 1030 were like big push times, and then you would sit there for the next half hour with nobody. So this is right. the way to pace everything through. Yeah, yeah, because that was the other, I think it was New York Public Library that was saying, We'll call you when your holds are ready. Yes. Like when we turn back on holds, it's going to take us a minute to pull them. (laughs) Stuff's going to be quarantined and on your card for a while. So some of that too, I think, you know, if you communicate it clearly to patrons, most people get that we're in a, we're all figuring this out together. And just the idea that you've thought through this and you have a system, people are 
looking for those directions and they're mostly it seems like willing to comply yes but you have to articulate it it. you can't just hope people will figure out (laughs) you gotta yeah because every place does it different i mean even even restaurants you know do that's one of the other things it's like be careful you're not doing the awkward dance out there where it's like do i get out of the car do you come to me do i get out am i halfway out and you're coming to me and we did that at a restaurant um a cute quaint little restaurant that you know was trying to scrappily get it together we got out of the car he came out we kind of froze and went like okay who's gonna move first <laughs> and he's like uh, i'll just put it in the back seat of your car if you're okay getting back in we're like okay cool um and it was very cute but um and there you know that brings me to a point there there are two ways you could run it there is the the curbside where you have staff going out to the car and putting it in the back seat or the trunk. And then there's another way, which I really like, where staff roll out the cart to a spot on the sidewalk. They go back into the library, and then the patron comes out and gets it off the cart. It is packaged up, so they're not touching the cart. At least they shouldn't be. And um, I think that might be a way that it works for us. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it seems like the less time you're in contact with people... I mean, that's part of the frustration, too, is there's just a lot of the information that we have about infectious viruses is just like viruses generally, but everything kind of falls on a spectrum. And we st- it seems like we still don't really know, like, is our surfaces really the problem? Or like I've been hearing a lot lately about HVACs and like that's yes. why offices are really such a problem is. So if everyone goes back to their desks and thinks, well, I'm in my cubicle no one's around me and takes off their mask and then they're coughing right into the HVAC. Like the idea of the mask is it catches your own coughing. Mm-hmm. It's like if you always coughed into a handkerchief instead of just into the air or into your hand and then it gets kicked up into the HVAC and circulated around the office. The fact that you're all in cubicles, okay, whatever, you're all breathing recirculated air. It's like being in an you airplane or something if there's no windows open. There, there was something, um, it's funny you mentioned that because our head of facilities mentioned that he has to go around or someone has to go around and change our HVAC and it's called like open air, change the open air. Uh, hmm. I don't know. I, I'm not a facilities person. This is why. Oh, right. So yeah. you, change the, you change the ratio of how much air intake. Maybe that's an air intake from the oh, outside. Oh, okay, right. You change that, but then it strains. So here we are, we're going into summer, and it would have been no different in winter. It strains, your, strains the system because it's in, intaking all the air, and then now it either has to cool it, work harder to cool it for the summer, oh, right. or in the wintertime, it's taking in the cold air, and it has to work harder to heat it up. But there is a way you could change your outside air intake. I'm going to huh. use that word. That's my that's my terminology. Right. No, <laughs> I mean it makes yeah. sense, but it is. It's all of the stuff that you just don't think about until until you have to. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. We also talked about like the infrastructure, the staff training on, you know, where we need to know where to find items. Are they ready? What time should they be coming? Because I could just see we have a lot of anxious individuals that will say, oh, my spot's at 1030, but I'm going to show up at 10 o'clock and hope it's here. And then here they are. They're in your parking lot. Um, And what happens if they're too early or they get angry or um, so you have to figure that stuff out. 
And um, just really quick as I was thinking this, um, when I was doing phone reference and the calls were getting back up, backed up, we were talking about when my backup was answering some, there was no way to like click off or erase um, if we already reached that person. Does that make sense? Oh, like the queue wasn't right. erasing the phone numbers, if you will. And so we had to keep IMing each other. Did you did you oh, get this geez. phone call number? Right. No, I'm over here. Um, so there's got to be a way that if to... I, maybe that works itself out, but I was thinking about that, like what happens if, you know, I guess it's a quick fix. Hey, did everyone get Mr. Smith's items? And But if you can run that more efficiently, does that make sense? Right. It was just a thought I had. Yeah. No, a lot of that kind of stuff. I mean, some of it, yeah, and you're just, you're going to have to be doing it to even figure out what it needs to be able to do. But yeah, I mean, just recognizing we're going to have to develop all new procedures. Yeah. For everything and I keep thinking it worked in 1921 we, we can we can do this right they didn't have cell phones <laughs> you know we could do this so I have hope and it, it is well, that is what is places. so funny because I did I immediately my first thought was like how much our patrons would love if we were all in roller skates oh. <laughs> and then I was like I don't even know how to roller skate like this is so crazy <laughs> and like what a whimsical but like I don't know it's you know what? I think the, the library that we're going to talk about, um, I think they did do that. I think they had a couple people, they did like an 80s theme or 90s theme, and a couple of their staff put on rollerblades. And I'm like, oh, good Lord. I don't even know where my, <laughs> I don't know if I could stand up in rollerblades anymore. Right. Yeah, I know. I was like, uh, <laughs> it's been, it's been Just a stand. while, and I don't trust myself to we're... not end up through your window. <laughs> Librarian we'll in the windshield. Here. Like, that is the opposite of what we need right now. <laughs> All right. So we talked about um, being efficient, um, that we communicate well, that we have the right stuff for the right car. Um, let's see. We, we were talking about giving clear instructions for patrons. Very, very clear. They keep stressing, like, very clear where to park or what line to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the places have said you, you, they set up the book return first and then you drive through to curbside. So you're not, I was thinking about that cause I don't want to handle, I don't want to go to the cart or I don't want to go to the car and they're saying, Oh, here's my stack of DVDs while I exchange right. with you. So I really like that. Some have thought about, okay, you, you drop off first and then you come to the next station. And if you have a hold. Or is there's a way you could get out of line if that's all you needed to do. But I thought that was very clear about dump your stuff first, pick up your stuff second. Right. Yeah, I was thinking that because our, our book drop is nestled sort of right by the front door yes. where everyone would be picking stuff up. And I thought it will encourage people to either park and then walk up to drop their stuff off and wait by the door physically or be driving over each other. Like, there's yes. not a great... Traffic yeah. Like, ideally, you would have space to have, like, a full loop where you can drop stuff off, you can wait to pick stuff, like, park and pick stuff up or keep driving. Because, like, plenty of people will be just dropping stuff and you're just trying to use the book drop. Right. So, yeah, if that was in a place where you could drop stuff off and then drive back out and not be in the middle of our parking lot waiting <laughs> to try yes. to get past yes. people and... <laughs> yeah. 
then the other thing I thought was really interesting, and they couldn't stress this enough, is to give yourself plenty of leeway to grab orders, get them filled, so on and so forth. Like, don't try to say, like, I'm going to cram in 20 pickups in 15 minutes because once you get behind, you are behind, oh, and nothing right. will make somebody matter than to say, your order's going to be ready at 1030, and it's 11 o'clock, and... <laughs> you know, you're still trying to fill it or you're rushing and you fill it wrong. That's another thing you have to address. Like what happens if they got an item wrong? How can you get them back in line faster or expedite them faster? But I thought that was really interesting. Like be very intentional and cautious, overly cautious maybe is the word, until you get the hang of it or until the deluge, I love that word, um, settles down just to be very cautious up front saying, this is what we can reasonably do right. with our staff. Maybe, yeah, if you were able to do appointments every 15 minutes, you don't schedule one at the 45. You just schedule 10, 10, 15, 10, 30. 11, 11, and then, 15, 11, 30, ooh. and you give yourself that little cushion between each one to like, oh, pe a people touch this cart. We really need to wipe that down. I can do that that's at the true. 45 or like, you know, like, so you're trying to limit some of, because that's the kind of stuff where I'm feeling like I'm going to be constantly trying to watch surfaces and watch mm -hmm. like and try to do all of this stuff. And it's like, and I know from working the desk that you get these little mental to-do lists of like before the hour's up, I need to X, Y, or Z. And so giving yourself those little windows of like, you know, when there's a lull is a great time to catch up on yes. whatever. So it's like, okay, you, if we know it's going to just be like kind of wall-to-wall, time-wise, crowded. I, I like that idea. Yeah, give yourself little windows. And plus, if you can, they said uh, work in pods, because I was thinking about that also gives us time for book drop and quarantine. But if you could work in pods, like let's say you and I are doing curbside and Mike and Diane are handling returns and um, Angela and so-and-so are making sure they go in the appropriate quarantine area, right. you know, they unload everything or I'm just, so you're always working in the same pod. And I think that helps with efficiency, but you do have to have, I guess, changing of the guard. And when you change of the guard, um, the communication has to be so incredibly clear. This is where I stopped. This is what's ready to go. This is what I didn't finish. Sort of like a, sort of like a project management system in place, like got this done, didn't even touch this. This is where I'm halfway done. So boy, a lot of things to consider. Um, yeah, that w but people are doing it. So right, um, my fr my neighbor works um, for a bank and was saying how uh, the branches, the bank branches, were having like the same staff Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then oh. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and it would be oh, like that's clever. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it was the same set of people, and then they'd have the deep cleaning Wednesday night. And then Thursday, oh. Friday, so you have, like, the tellers are all. And the idea was if one of their staff people gets sick and infects everyone else, you only ever take out half your staff at the same time. Oh, that is clever. Okay, I got to write this down. So, yeah. <laughs> I listen so to our own podcast. Some, right? <laughs> some of that kind of thinking of, like, okay. It's, like, a weird way. It's a very weird way of thinking. But it's, wow. yeah. That, and that's where I feel like, you know. All of these businesses and retail services are, are brainstorming this too, so it's crazy not to look at what they're doing and say, okay, if they're doing it this way, 
that's maybe worth trying. <laughs> huh. Now, I guess that's interesting. Um, hmm. I really like that idea. Okay. I wish I had a pencil handy. I would write that down. But Well, and it's like, it's like, <laughs> you so remember diff- that. All right. It's so <laughs> different from how we usually, like, we tend to, like, rotate staff people and rotate tasks so that you don't get sick of any one thing, which is nice. But it is like mm-hmm. the idea of, okay, what if I'm just, it's me and Angela, our book drop people for the next month. Like, that's going to be mm. a very different workflow then. You know, if you're always with the same person, you're always doing the same task. I mean, for one thing, that's how you get efficiency much faster. Like, you you get into a rhythm. You get a system going where every time you change tasks, it's like, okay. But then you also have where it's like, okay, if this person's really great about cleaning stuff, then maybe you do kind of want them circulating around and cleaning everything. Yes. Yeah, I could think of one person (laughs) who is just absolutely perfect for that job. (laughs) So... And, but yeah, but I don't know in terms of like mitigating risk to to both staff and True. patrons. It seems like the consensus is you want to the fewer people everyone comes in contact with, the better. So, mm-hmm. hmm. but I can't imagine well, this- like if we designated, you know, you're the you're a runner, like you're the one who's always interfacing with the public. That's gonna really tax you fast. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, I don't know. Well, I'll, you know, it, it's interesting you say that because, you know, I'll skip a little bit to the best practice one um, because I think it's Springville Library in Utah. I'm going to, I think they get the prize for curbside service and how to do it. But they've also been doing it since March 18th. I didn't realize this. So I was looking at their website, looking at how they do it. Um, And I don't know if they shut down for a week or if they ever shut down or this is their quick response, which I thought was fascinating. But again, they've been doing this since March 18th. And what I found interesting is they do have limited hours. They are only doing this Wednesday from, oh gosh, 10 to 6, 10 to 7, and Saturdays from a limited time. I'm going to say 10 to 2. I'm sorry if I got that wrong, but that's just to give you an idea of, so it's only only two days days. Okay. Yes, only two days a week. What I found fascinating as well is that, um, you know, they had tents set up, so they're taking care of their employees for the weather, for the elements. It it looks like the bulk of them are outside. They do social distance. But what what they do, um, and we'll talk about this later, is they have certain theme days, and I think it's every Wednesday. So they've done like Harry Potter. Everyone dresses up like Harry Potter. The Old West, the Sock Hop, the 80s, the 90s, you know. And um, it's become this thing where parents in minivans are lining up to go through the book, the, I'm sorry, the curbside, and the kids are, you know, getting a lot of joy out of this. But you and I have talked, like, is this good? Maybe, you know, they could be a town where there has been absolutely no cases. Um, great. Um, and it's not a concern. Right. Or maybe they don't have the stay-at-home order you know, um, I don't know what their situation is, and I'm sure they would do a best practice. I'm sure if there was something going on, they would not do this. So, but I just thought, you know, talk about a best practice and the fact that since they haven't expanded their hours, this must really work. So they're not overtaxing their staff. Well, that's that is. I thought that was interesting. Very different. Two days a week does seem like okay. You could really, you know, you give yourself a couple of days to like 
And I don't know if they're doing stuff internally, like processing holds, so that the days that they have the pickup, they're just running, you know, like they're just focusing on patrons. Yeah. They have a lot of holds. <laughs> They've taken pictures. Right. <laughs> so. Because that, yeah, because I don't think people understand how much happens internally or like at the staff level that patrons don't necessarily see. Because I know even like when people will pick up a hold and like they'll say what the book is. Mm-hmm. And you're like, they, you just recognize that they don't understand that we've got hundreds of books behind the shelf. Like three people, yes. at least three people have that same book. And like it's, it's you know, I need your name. <laughs> I don't, we don't. I'm here for where the crawdads sing. Right. I put that on hold. Right. It's like everybody did. That's, it's a very popular book. But so, yeah, I I mean, I think especially when we re, when we first reopen, it's going to be, you know, catching up. I'd, that's a lot to put on staff to be like, also plan a costume for Wednesday. But yeah, <laughs> but after we're after you, you're open a month or two and if it's like, OK, two days a week. And if we mm-hmm. said, okay, mm-hmm. only Saturdays, because we're all working Saturdays now or whatever, to say, okay, well, we're, we'll do, if it's simple, but just some fun thing. I mean, it, it, that was, like I said, my first thought was like roller skates. And I thought, or like, I don't know, <laughs> cat ears or something. Like what would be a fun, cause you're, you know, because the interactions are going to be so much more limited. I think it's a way of, oh, yeah. I think it's the desire to still connect with patrons. And yes, so it is like, yes. you know, what are ways that we could do that? Because we're the type of people that enjoy that sort of thing. Like that would bring joy to the situation. And so I don't do. think it's a bad, I don't think it's bad at all. Once you're doing, you know, comfortable with the new procedure and people kind of get the new procedure and, you know, like I think, you know, if it's tense at the beginning and you're coming out in a costume, like that's a bad situation. I don't, would it, would it, well, I, oh, I guess it just depends. It could lighten the mood or it could just, I, you just never know. Right. I'm trying to, True. You know, some True. people could just like, oh, okay, you know, you're trying, or I could just see some, some people you just can't please whether, so I guess that's an interesting does it does it lessen the tension i don't know that's that's i mean right it depends if the tension is like it depends on what the tension is and yeah who's feeling if we watched something (laughs) like we watched the 10 step process at every step of the way then i don't think coming out in roller skates is going to appease anything but if you i don't know i'm trying to think if you made a mistake and I'm trying to think what something small is and they could laugh it off and say, by the way, you also look really ridiculous. <laughs> I'm like, okay, right. come back tomorrow. Yeah. See you next week. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I, it's going to just be, and hope, I mean, I, and I, I think most people are, get that we're in a unique situation and that everyone's trying. So. And I think most people are, are trying as well. I think so. I have, I, you know, this has been called the Great Reset, and I hope it continues. But I have noticed, and maybe I'm blessed to to live where I dear where I do, and I haven't encountered this. But people have been so kind, um, kind to each other. But I haven't seen a protest. I haven't seen. I've seen some wacky, wicked stuff 
on social media about, you know, people getting out of line or things are a little tense. I've been lucky I haven't seen that. So I'm hoping that, um, I guess, again, from the phone reference, people are just, when are you reopening? I'm lonely. You know, just can I return my books? Can you get me something? Can you mail me something? So I think um, we're in a, a unique situation where I'm not anticipating problems, but knock on wood. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I Most of the time I'm not. And then I'll have an experience somewhere. Um, like grocery stores have been pretty good generally. Yes. There's always, you know, someone doing something, but usually everybody's like looking at them, like looking at each other, like, is this happening for real? So, I mean, yeah. it's mostly fine. Um, but I will say I've had to go to the mechanic a few times and the dealership for like a airbag recall. And uh-huh. I was just really surprised how very different a predominantly male environment oh. is in terms Interesting. of they were all wearing gloves. No one was wearing masks. Oh, and this was about a month ago at a dealership. I was shocked, to be honest, that they weren't wearing a mask. And then I was wearing a mask and they were kind of acting like you could just see it in their face. Like, oh, this lady overreacting. Yeah. And I'm like, but that I mean, everything was marked off in the waiting room. Huh. But the waiting room was open and like my mechanics waiting room was not open. But like. I don't know. It was just, it's just weird to see, you know, different people deal with it differently. And, you know, if you're even just going, you know, a neighborhood over or like a, you know, a community on the other side of town and then it's predominantly male, it's like very different attitudes in different places. Hmm. I, you know, everything that I'm reading from like the Better Business Bureau, all, all these business articles, they're just saying make, do it, don't do it, well... It's not like don't do it for yourself, but you need to put on this. You need to instill that you are being safe to, to, um, for your customers to feel comfortable and your customers are going to respect that. And I think that is so true. I felt 100% better when overnight the grocery stores put up these, the plexiglass. Right. I mean, it was like overnight right. this thing hit. And the next day I came back to the grocery store because I forgot milk and they had plexiglass and tape and lines and everyone's wearing gloves and mat. I felt so much better. Right. I, I felt they were protected. I felt better being there because I'm like, oh God, I'm not putting them in any harm or any danger. I think, I hope not. But I felt better. Um, so I think there's a whole customer thing behind this. Like, it just puts everyone at ease. Right. So, and that's a whole nother conversation too, but yeah. Well, right. And that's so, where like when, side, you, when you go to restaurants and the, you know, the ones with a clear system and everyone's wearing masks and it just feels yes, like. I feel so much better. You know, it, yeah, it is a way of saying like, I'm aware of this thing. I'm not pretending otherwise. And I, you know, I respect you and I don't want to get you sick. Yes, that's it. That's it. And that's it's so weird because to me, it, it's like a socially, you know, it's a sign of respect. It is. That is, that's, that nailed it. <laughs> Whereas, you know, I was surprised when I have ended up places where it, it feels like, you know, a kind of an under the surface hostility toward you wearing it. At, you know, how much different yes. that it makes me uncomfortable. Yes. And then I feel like bad wearing a mask, which is like the whole thing is I'm protecting you. You're not protecting me right now. How am I f- feeling bad? 
you know what? I almost don't want to go back. Right. I, or I won't go back. Oh, yeah. I, you know, if I'm, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I would go back anytime soon. It, it depends. I guess it depends how uncomfortable I was made to feel. Yeah. Because even the places that I've gone, for example, when we picked up this from this cute little restaurant in, in town and we did the awkward dance out in the parking lot. I mean, he had, it was outside and he still had a mask on. So he respected that we, we get this false sense like I'm outside, it just goes away. But I'm like, oh, Tom, that is so nice of you. You come outside in gloves and a mask and we're doing this awkward dance. And I just felt I'm like, I want to go back. I just felt right. <laughs> like I want to go back. Right. But if you came out like, blah, 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 here I am. Um, yeah, I don't, that's interesting. I don't think I would not feel comfortable. That's, you know, in my opinion. Right. Well, and I think, <laughs> and it's very different when you're outside than when you're inside too. Yeah. If you're able to stay yeah. outside, that's significantly less risk than, um, than being in a building. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if we're outside, if we're doing curbside this summer, um, you know, we're, we're still going to wear our masks because I feel, again, it's a sign of respect. And I think people like seeing it, even if, you know, they aren't. Um, I think it's, again, a sign of respect. So Well, and I mean, just to each his own. Uh, well, no, I mean, I feel like I, I get that enforcement is a, a tough whole conundrum. But no, if you have a, if you have, you know, if patrons are not wearing masks, a lot of them. That's going to that's mm-hmm. going to be rough, especially knowing that like okay, if you're not wearing a mask, you can infect me. And I'm seeing how many patrons a day. And so the likelihood of me yeah. getting it is increased. And then because I'm seeing all those people, you know, like I'm wearing a mask, so that helps things a lot. But I'm still touching everything and I'm like yeah. you know, recognizing that okay, if you don't care about yourself, the mask isn't for you. If you don't care mm-hmm. about the staff, it's the other patrons too. Like, yeah, anyone who's coming in contact with a larger amount of your community, you want to get your whole community sick. Like, so I don't know. It's a it's a weird mindset of, um, you know, just recognizing that your actions have consequences for other people. Yeah, and we will get into that because we are going to talk about in a few minutes about you know what are the negative side effects of curbside because curbside you know is if you do need to open it is supposed to be the safest way to do it but there's also a movement and we'll get into that in a minute but um just to finish up like what makes this work not to segue yeah no that's good but um (laughs) you know the other two things that are actually one thing that we're weighing right now is do you need technology to run this do you need so the top three companies that run a lot of library systems ILS software that was redundant anyway (laughs) um, you know they're coming up with apps and products and they're launching them for free is how to run your curbside using these products Hmm. and a lot of them what we're wrestling with is it's another app it's it's an an, it's something additional and that just sounds really confusing like you want you know you got to have the library app and you got to have this app to run curbside service and right now they're not integrated Huh, um, that's weird. So I thought, yeah, I thought that was interesting. So maybe it's because they're trying to quickly launch this and get it out and test it and work out the bugs because um, they're they're offering it for free if you get in line. And I think it's free because they want to work out the bugs. Um, but I did tell our 
our IT department, I said, Ryan, you know, everyone's saying this is here to stay. So is there a way we could start building curbside as an option? I, I really do. I really think in some capacity, maybe it's um, lobby pickup, maybe it's not full, you know, we're not running out to the cars, but maybe it's some like quick, quick pickup, kind of like, again, Chipotle. <laughs> um, but we need to start building that into yeah, the catalog. Yeah, that's so, very surprising because it seems like, I mean, really all it needs to be is in the library app if there was a button that said let them know I'm here right I mean I don't know why it's separate yeah I'm trying to research that right now and maybe because it's so new or honestly I mean because I don't think like I'm even getting more comfortable calling places mm-hmm. okay because See, it just work you know it's been Do eight weeks it? <laughs> of you got a call so it, it, it could be as simple as in your library app there's just a little thing that has a phone number and it just starts calling. Like you click it and it calls. It calls your branch. You know, like oh, just call yeah. your branch. Yeah. It, yeah. it could be a very simple, but just like, oh, so you don't have to type in the whole number. Or like even I think if you pull up our website, you can probably just click the phone number. Or on Google, if you Google mm-hmm. your library, anybody who has a phone number listed, you can just call the phone number. Because right. that's what I've been doing with restaurants. You just look up the restaurant and call the. Now, it's funny because my husband is all about he hates talking to people. So it's all about the app. It's all about ordering and not talking to anybody. And it's working through the app. So I think that's very interesting to think about who's comfortable calling, who's just comfortable saying, I'm going to go through the app and never talk to anyone. Right. And I'll pay online. <laughs> yes. And um, that's another thing, like everything is already checked out. So you're not, everything is touchless. I'm not taking your library card. I'm not standing out there with the iPad scanning anything. Everything is already checked out. I think that's another best practice that works really well. It's all checked out. Right. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think if there was a thing that was like, basically if it was, yeah. In my mind, how it ideally would work is when you pull into the parking lot. Because I think, I feel like Taco Bell's app or something had a thing where it's like when you're within 100 miles of their, or not a, like, ten, you know, oh. like with your, within 100 meters of their restaurant, it like says you're here now. So like if, if you <gasps> ordered a thing, then it, when you're close by it, it would let them know to queue it up. Oh, I want that. So like, that ideally, be- <laughs> yeah, we're not, but, but I get like, there's no point in, you know. That might be three years out, honestly, for libraries. So, like, no, we need a system that's going to work yeah. when you open. Yeah. And it seems like a phone call is probably what it is. Yeah, we, we could do this. If with there's that. a way. I would love all the magic right. ones. Oh, but. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but even a, I feel like even a button in the app that the person had to hit themselves, but was just a button that says, let them know I'm here. And oh, it would, like, wild. send the barcode or something. I don't know what it would be. but Oh, that would be wild. Huh. I don't know. So Chris- <laughs> I don't program, so I don't know what's easy oh, or what's so not cool. easy. Because I feel like the geolocation thing of people's location services aren't on, like, that's a whole thing. And then, huh. and then also you need a system in place for people without phones. True. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, yeah, start simple and then, at, you know, with the assumption that people are going to want curbside for a while, then we can go, okay, we're working toward a more seamless integration of all this. But 
I don't know how that looks like when we're first opening, you know. Hmm. Do we want to get into what could be frivolous about curbside, or do we want to go into the troubling side of curbside? Uh, do we keep it positive for a little bit longer, or we <laughs> end with a positive? Let's end with a positive. <laughs> let's, let, let's end with a positive. Yeah, I want to end with, I like to end up beat. Okay. Okay, so we were talking about the negative side, the dark side of curbside, mm-hmm. and we were talking about, like, is it an option? Because uh, part of me feels peer pressure to do this. Yes. I feel like I'm in eighth grade. <laughs> right. Peer pressure oh, to just absolutely. everyone else is doing it. Right. I mean, think about right now, if no other libraries were opening. I would feel so much better. Right. But everyone around us, everyone around us has announced some plan. Right. Well, they're not already doing it. It's June especially the 1st. little the one you know one branch two branch systems. Yeah, and I th- you know I do think that's very different. But then your patrons expect something different then. Because I was thinking that I mean I keep I hate to it's. Well, I mean I think it I think it's kind of a worthy metaphor, but it, it's like okay if you're one branch, right. And if opening is essentially Russian roulette, like you have whatever statistical chance that an outbreak happens at your facility, but you only have one facility versus if you're a system with 19 facilities, yeah, like statistically, you're going to have an outbreak. Yes. And then what do you do with staffing and how do you, right, right. And then how does your town feel about it? Right. I worry about that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm excited to do this because it looks like everyone have, is having so much fun, and I do want to, you know, I want to see my patrons again. I want to see my staff again. I want to get back to work, but then I have this like, oh gosh, like, have I really thought this through? I, I just feel like I'm going to a party, and I'm not sure if there's going to be drinking. Oh, right, <laughs> I'm underage, yeah. right? Yeah. I just feel like I'm. I, I really do. I feel like I'm back in high school and saying, you know, I feel like the same kind of peer pressure gut in my stomach right I want to hang out with my friends but will it be dangerous (laughs) am I overreacting Uh, you know and I think a lot of folks say if there was a vaccine um and if it wasn't behaving so erratically like it affects different ages different ways and they're seeing it do different things and the long-lasting damage to kidneys and I so we'll get into the movement shortly, but, um, you know, we have to talk about, is it worth the risk? It, you know, what is the library's goal? What is the end game? What is the, I guess you have to really weigh, like, what is the purpose? Right. So that's something that I also oh. surprised me because when I take a step back, I recognize that, of course, circulation of materials is the foundational premise of the library. Yeah, that's how we get our funding. But somehow in my head, I was very convinced that, like, our essential services were computer usage and were, you know, like, were these other things that still will not be met by this. Yes. Yes. So I'm torn between the fact that, on the one hand, things that I, I personally feel are, like, the most important things that we do, you know, we're not even talking about how could we do that safely. But then also the idea that the primary metric here that's interesting internally is that this is how we get funding. 
mm-hmm. that funding is allocated based on circulation statistics. And so the idea that, you know, we feel this urge to go get our circulation up, I don't know, it feels really awful to me if, if, the, goal, if, if the goal for doing this is so we can get our circ stats back up. Right. If if the idea is oh we like we, you know people need materials and so let's and, and materials are just sitting here and like, the materials belong to the people and like I don't know somehow if it's a more noble mission, feel mm-hmm. it feels better to me than if it's like uh, our funding for this year is completely shot and every day yes. that we stay closed is circulation stats we're losing, feels like, oh like it's just such a gut punch of like, you know. Which I guess is how, you know, essential workers have been feeling this whole time of like, you know, on the one hand, grocery stores truly are essential. Like, you need groceries. Right. But what a gut punch to feel like, you know, how much of the stuff do people really need? And like, am I risking my life so that you can have like your fancy cheese? (laughs) It's like, you know, but like, it's... But I need my toilet paper. Yeah, it's a weird, (laughs) we're grappling with all of these weird, like, quality of life questions. This is just such a weird way of looking at the way our entire system is structured and how things that you thought were one way are different. (laughs) And it's hard, too, because, you know, I always feel like the foundation of library is, I hate to say it, books. But I feel that that's that's what we do. We exchange books or other materials. It's information. It's leisure. Um, but I think what has not creeped up over the years, it's still equally as strong as exactly what you said is the computer use. It's um, for for connecting with others, email, job application, schooling, so on and so forth. And I agreed with what you said, um, and that's what some of the the movement is saying too. Is like. Maybe there's other things we could be offering <clears throat> to the public that isn't this. Now, they argue, like, well, you could leave your Wi-Fi on in the building and it stretches out into the parking lot. Okay, now you're assuming that everyone has a device but no Wi-Fi. Um, and you talked about Boston Library has figured out a way to still be relevant without, you know, opening necessarily their doors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to remember what exactly they did. You did the they, research on that one. It was a library journal article, and I came across okay. it looking for something else. But I was just like, yes, this. They they partnered. And I it, it was interesting, too, because it sounded like it was maybe the city that asked them. Working together, to yeah. To figure out a way to, they said, you know, we have um, our homeless population and our drug recovering, our addict recovery mm-hmm. population so desperately needed literature like not just like books they weren't saying like oh get them bestsellers they were saying like you know classics or just like what what can we get them so they have something to read if you're in a shelter right now like you need something to read and Mm -hmm. and hot spots so they worked they worked with the library and 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 i I feel like they partnered with someone for the hotspots and they partnered with local bookstores. Yes. yes. To get paperbacks. So and I love that idea of okay. Our material is necessarily circulating. Like we can't just go give that out and have it not come back. But we recognize that we're a community liaison 
this idea of of libraries as like like old time telephone operators of like we don't have to be the conversation like someone's calling in like the city says hey we need oh, this and like bookstores say hey we have books to give and the library is just connecting them like it doesn't we always have this feeling of like oh we have to do all of this stuff it's like really what we're doing is we're a trusted institution that can help with the negotiation between other institutions and we could we can or, or, you know organize the bookstores and the bookstores trust us and the city trusts us to organize the bookstores and the shelters trust us you know like everybody trusts us i like that yes and so the library expenditure was minimal. It sounded like they, they got the right. They got resources from nice. the city and they gave it to the bookstores and they were just administrators basically. I like that because right now there there is a movement um, the protect library workers. Before this there was the movement close the library because so many libraries were still uh, being asked to stay open yeah. some of your big metro libraries chicago. we talked about that chicago right um and i do believe san francisco because they're considered city employees just because their library closed they were they had to get um they had to fill in in other places of need and work with a vulnerable population and a lot of them were saying we are not trained for social work this yeah. is this is stressful. I, I don't have the tools. I don't know how to deal with that. I get very emotionally attached to people and things, and I don't, I'm not trained to like let that go at the end of the night. Um, that's why I didn't go into nursing or social work. I could not let go. And um, so th there's this movement. Again, Protect Library Workers. I do believe it's protectlibraryworkers.net. I don't think it's net org. Oh, gosh, I forgot. Um, That's all right. We can put and... it in the transcript. We'll, we'll <laughs> okay, find good, it and good. put it in the transcript. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, um, cool. And, you know, and then I, I was reading, too, like Book Riot did a piece called Librarians Under Pandemic Duress. Um, and the full title is, you know, Layoffs, Napkin Masks. And oh. I can't remember. I didn't type in the oh. rest of the title. That's so yes, scary. And this is by Kelly Jensen on April 24th and there is it's like yes staff got a roll of these either like bounty or Scott's paper towels and rubber bands and then there's another picture of paper towels rubber bands and it looked like I don't know what this is it must have been the napkins but it looked like toilet paper with a sign that says call and she whited out the person if you need help making a cloth or napkin mask and so these are some of the, I guess, ridiculous situations that some of our workers are finding themselves in. And, you know, right when libraries started closing, I also heard this term, and it's called vocational awe. And the first time I heard it was from a podcast called Fix My Library. Um, and this is right around March, March 20th is when that came out. And um, there's more about it in an article called um, in the library with the lead pipe and the title full title of that is vocational on librarianship the lies we tell ourselves and this actually came out on um, January 10th of 2018 oh wow or 2018 sorry um, and it just you know says we just have this feeling about ourselves that you know because we do good 
and we work in the sacred institution and we are just beyond critique and we feel that we must go above and beyond things mm-hmm. even if it neg- negatively affects us our own lives um and then it also goes into vocational awe i thought this was interesting it leads to institutional impression uh, oppression uh, which is why we're seeing such large burnout numbers in this profession. So I thought that was very interesting that we feel like we must do this. We do good. So therefore, I, in, my, in my summary, I'm going to say like we feel invincible. We feel untouchable because we're doing such good work. Like we're almost like we're up there with nurses, right? We're not going to get hurt. Um, but, you know, our, respond, our first responders are getting hurt as well. So why do we feel like we're in this protective bubble? Right, um, yeah, that we have, like, some sort of divine... <laughs> protection. Yeah, yeah. that's like, we're the good guys. It's like, okay. Good guys still get hurt. Right, well, and good guys still, you know, intentionally or unintentionally hurt other people. Like, the truth yes. is that, you know, humans are complicated and that you can have good intentions and still do harm. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, you know, this this is, again, a balance to all this, things you have to consider. And then I finally, there, you know, there's a, also a library director. I do believe he's out in Kansas. And he said, I'm not going to ask my staff to do this unless I feel comfortable standing right alongside them. And right now, and this was a couple of weeks ago, um, he says, I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe being out there, so I'm not going to ask my staff to do this. And there was another article, again, Library Journal, um, it's called finally, um, I'm sorry, it's called uh, Don't Leave the Worker Out of the Library Narrative. Mm-hmm. And it's by Kaylin Bignoli. I hope I pronounced her name right. Um, it was May 19th. And she just said, we're just glossing over the reality of the situation. Probably I'm going to summarize and say we're not respecting the situation. And she's just saying we're spinning kind of like this happy-go-lucky library story this happy-go-lucky narrative and we're being congratulated for our grit and our go-get-it-ness but there's no mention of like the layoffs and how to do this with the skeleton staff and the fact that we're touching materials that still haven't been scientifically proven if it lasts 72 hours four hours four (laughs) weeks we don't we don't know what we're touching you know so here we are we're you know we're just going to wear gloves and a and a napkin mask and you know for some reason our vocational awe is going to protect us so there's the flip side of of curbside or any type of I guess service right now yeah so on that note (laughs) yeah well and that's what's um I got. I have like two retail examples of things that gave me tremendous pause about curbside, and one was I ordered. It was a very low value item, fabric from Target, um, and it didn't fit. And uh, when I went to return it, they refunded me and did not accept the return. They said just oh. hang on to it. We're no longer accepting returns right now, and that made me feel like oh geez like if target is willing to just give me stuff yeah <laughs> rather than deal yes. with a return we probably i feel like maybe yeah returns is probably a big problem 
Well, you said that too about like restaurants. Like if you do if you do curbside, you're taking the package and you're taking it home and then you're throwing it away. Where for us, it's almost like you're returning the takeout container back to yes. us in a way. Right. <laughs> the surface. It is. Yeah. I, we you know. probably shouldn't be. We wouldn't be doing restaurant takeout right now if you were taking the dishes back to the restaurant. <laughs> it's like, uh, yes. yeah. So. Yeah, it's the circulation of it. And it's like, is it really safe if it just sits for five days? Is there a way to, I mean, just dealing with the sheer volume of having things sit? Like, we don't currently have enough capacity and like in the containers that fit the book drop. It's not like, oh, we could just like pull the container out without touching the inside and like Mm -hmm. put it somewhere. We'd have to be handling all of that and repackaging it. That's the part that concerns me is, you know, it's not like, oh, we can just pull this thing out without touching it and let it sit for five days. Some employees would have to be handling these items. Yes. And the sheer volume of what we have out right now is is unbelievable. I, for, I, I remember they did say the number of what we had out. I, for, I forgot. Um, I that would have been a nice little piece. I it was 300,000 or something. That's that's what I have in my head, it too. It was around... Is, is, and, and so yeah. that was a lot of material right and you know yeah i mean our, the last five days we were open it was like a it was like a bogo sale it was like a liquidation it was like buy one get one free take 10 take 20 just clear yeah, people, the shelves people Everything were getting stacks go. and then coming back making multiple trips yes. to their car and yes and i think you know like even in in regular times we empty the book drop usually three times a day Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, okay, if you had it locked and it was only open nine to one, you're going to have significantly less that can happen in that time frame. But you're still, I just don't see how you get around the idea that staff is handling items before they're been quarantined. And so if surfaces aren't a problem, maybe that's not a problem. You know, like if HVAC is really the problem, then as long as people aren't in the building, you're probably fine. Yeah. But if surfaces are a problem, then that's a huge problem. And you know what's funny? Um, you're ta- I-, I didn't think about this, but I think this is why Westerville did it. Because um, they just opened up book, tr- book Return. They are using um, cardboard boxes. Big, big cardboard boxes. I don't, like, I don't even, I would fall in and you would have to dig me out. <laughs> I couldn't even reach in. I don't think I could reach the bottom if I had to. So that's the, just to try to paint a visual there. And so that must, must be why they're using cardboard boxes because once they get to the bottom, these are now disposable. You can recycle these boxes. Um, you don't have to worry about wiping them down and right. missing a spot. So I was like, why are they doing that? Are they just so worried about the sheer volume coming back and now as you were talking I'm like okay the light bulb little dim went on I'm like this is why they did it because they probably are going to throw away these boxes after the after you know and just every day fresh box or I don't know maybe it's every five hours or when it's full I mean because I I don't think if the container you know the container has also been quarantined for you know like if you had one if you had enough for every day of the week that you were like here's our three Monday boxes Here's our three Tuesday boxes. Here's our three Wednesday boxes. And then you knew by next Monday it'll be fine to use the box because the books inside mm-hmm. of it were fine. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, 
because I, I don't know if it's feasible to get that many disposable boxes. Oh, I don't know. You could, you could line it like a tr- like, with what? a trash bag or something. Oh, yeah. I think um, Allison had that idea about a trash bag or I can't remember who did, but I'd like, oh, yeah, trash bag. Right. Yeah. See, this is I why mean, we need like five people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> to think right. Of this, yeah. Right? Brainstorms help with more brains. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the more brains, the better in a storm. But uh, yeah, you definitely you need containers that they can just be staying in the containers with minimal handling until after the amount of time that you've allotted for them to sit. Yeah. Because um, the oh, other wow, thing we, about we really traveled. Oh, oh, right. oh yeah. The other thing yeah. I was thinking of was um, in terms of like training and procedure in theory versus practice. Is um, I've been reading these stories about the Amazon fulfillment center in Pittsburgh, yes. and how they have had staff complaints from the beginning that people were not adhering to the policies, and then they have rounds of outbursts. And after the one outbreak, they stopped telling the employees how many other employees. Like, at first, they were announcing how many people every day had had it. And they stopped telling them because they they said, well, um, you know, what's the difference, basically? You know that there's more confirmed cases. So, yeah, there was more confirmed cases today. But it doesn't really matter how many. What? Yeah. Oh, I just got the chills. Yeah. I just got the chills. My hair is just... Some of the stuff I was reading was, I mean, it's interesting in the in the fact that not all Amazon fulfillment centers are having problems. But the ones that are, are not dealing with it well at all. And so oh it's interesting to me. It's like, okay, theory versus practice. Obviously, all the fulfillment centers have the same policy. But implementation is really where this <laughs> either works or doesn't, you know? So, like, how can you design policies that you're actually adhering to and then also if if you get employee complaints that people aren't following procedures you got to take that seriously wow because that makes all the difference that's the whole thing it does you no good to just have a policy if it's not being implemented oh my gosh yeah so oh my gosh that was very interesting to you know to see okay because i think there's 50 amazon fulfillment centers so any of this mm-hmm. stuff where it's like, okay, it's kind of like running a simulation. If you set this oh, policy gosh. and then watch it, you know, 50 iterations of it in practice and see, you know, what works and what doesn't. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. I would not. Oh, but you're the guinea pig. Nice. Oh, exactly. Oh, exactly. No, it's <sighs> horrifying because it's not a computer simulation. It's real people. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can we, can we end on the good note? Yeah. So I didn't want to. Well, I didn't want to end with that, but I did want to mention it so that when people are thinking, well, I forgot my teaser. I did. You know, I, I forgot that there is a library near us that um, is an independent, and they did you know scrap something together quite sudden, and I you know I read their instructions and I I am wondering how does the staff feel about this? Are they tired? How is it working? I you know right now I just don't know, but. They have curbside running almost the entire time they're open. They have, I think, four ways to notify them <clears throat> of, of if you put something on hold. Like you can, you can call us, you can email us, you could put an order on through the catalog. Um, 
So now you have how many channels coming in that you have to to watch, especially email. Like I really, <laughs> I'm not going to be watching email for stuff. Can't you just call? But so now they have these like three or four ways to place a hold. Their their pickup time is ten to seven or ten to eight Monday through Saturday. Oh, it sounds exhausting, and perhaps they they do give you more instructions when you actually go through the entire process. But it's just like put something on hold, wait for us to call you, and then just come anytime. It, that's what it sounded like. Just come anytime. Just at your convenience. Come up to the library. I don't know if you call. I don't, I don't know how they know you're there. But I was reading it, and my gut reaction was, was this it sounds like you kind of got the pieces right, but was this thought out? <laughs> Like, did you think this all through to have Monday through Saturday, 10 to 7, three ways to let you know you have a hold? How do you... Right. Yeah. Are they overwhelmed? That just sounds like tiring. It, just, it sounds tiring. But then I guess if you're not programming, if your building is not yeah, open, if, you're, if your entire staff has been brought back because you are an independent library you know maybe maybe it works for them but it just sounded like uh did you you know again did you think everything out because it sounds good but it sounds like you have a lot of gaps yeah for things to for the wheels to come off right really really and i maybe i'm wrong well and i feel like it's much easier to start with an extremely limited service and then be opening it more and more than to say we're back and then like three weeks be like we can't do this anymore or yes. again, yes. I mean, if you have an outbreak, especially among staff, now you're really, really screwed. I mean, in terms of yeah. if your goal is to keep staying open and not close service off again, you just you can't afford your whole staff to get sick. No, from a human a perspective, but also just from a logistical perspective of if you're one, if you're a one branch system and your staff gets it, then you have to close. Then you have to close. Yeah. And imagine so, the PR nightmare of that. Like, you think all this goodwill that you earned from being open constantly, when people, you know, most most people, you get the feeling, are a little on edge and would prefer that you thought about this, that you thought about yeah. it. You know, like when you go to a restaurant, you go, okay, this is a weird system, but they've clearly thought about a system and their, you know, their work and their system, like, makes you feel a lot better than when you go in, you're like, they have not thought about this at all. No, yeah. Because my thought is, if Springfield, Springville, Utah, has been doing this since March 18th, and that they are only still, to this day, and they have kept up with the holds, they have kept up with the returns, they have kept up with everything, and they are still only doing limited, these limited time slots, there has to be reason why they're saying, this is what works. Yeah. This must, this must be, there's, there's something there, I guess, is what I'm saying. Now, maybe if we do it, we do it, you know, Monday through Friday, or I don't know what, what the thing, the schedule will be, but we maybe we do like 10 to 3, or 1 to 5, or I, I'm just, you know, limited hours. I'm not sure what our system is going to decide to do, but it just seems just limiting it, like you said, start off with constraints and then say, okay, this works, let's take another baby step. Right. And if you have an evening shift, you know, if you're making sure that you have enough people, 
Because that's the other thing is because these are all new procedures, we don't even know yet how many people it really takes to do all of this. Mm-hmm. And if the idea is we're going to be in there, I mean, it could be half the staff just trying to pull the backlog of holds. I mean, even if we yes. were fully staffed, just trying to figure out how many people do we need to be running out to cars? How many people do we need to be answering phones? If everyone has to call oh, in, yeah, they're going to have all the regular reference questions, plus everyone who pulls into the parking lot is calling us, plus people, you know, increased people saying like, oh, this whole time, you know, I can't figure out your website, so here are the things I want to put on hold. Yes, yes. I feel like we'll have triple the phone calls. Yes. So we're going to have to have multiple people answering the phone and then people checking Mm. the stuff out. Those are probably the same people. So you're like, anytime you're not answering a phone call, you're checking out the holds ahead of time so that the runners can just grab them. So you have... Just, and we don't have students, so, you, you're, you know, that that's really the entire staff could be working all day on just pulling holds, filling them, you know, taking them from the phone calls and running them out. And then, yeah, figuring out the coordination between letting the runners know what is what, unless you're just putting it on carts and taking turn wheeling it out on the carts. So you're, you know, if, if the interaction with patrons is less. Because that's another thing is if people haven't been talking for how long, I just I just kind of imagined extended patron conversations by their car window because everyone's going to want to yes. talk after we've been closed yeah. for so long. Yeah. You know, and it's so funny. You got me thinking. Um, curbside doesn't, it sounds like it shouldn't be rocket science. Like I could see the knee jerk of reaction of my parents are like, well, you know, if mcdonald's can figure it out or chipotle can figure it out or joanne can figure it out but you got me thinking like all right are you calling joanne and are you saying you know the bolt of fabric was that made in india or venezuela and is it a hundred percent like answering like is joanne answering reference questions right i don't know they might be saying like is this in stock i i don't know but worse and are they cleaning anything that's brought back like i didn't want this bolt of fabric or i didn't want or these open are they stuff. even accepting returns right but we are so i'm thinking like okay guys it, it the gut reaction might be like gee libraries how hard is it everyone else is doing it but you're not dealing with returns quarantine items answering reference um Maybe Best Buy might be a, a very good model for us to follow because I'm sure people are calling them, you know, what HDV, what what is the latest model of this and isn't compatible with that? I don't know. Maybe they're a good model to follow, but I think, you know, there is there is some thought that needs to be because there's a lot of working parts besides curbside that are happening in the library, I guess is what I'm trying right. to say. Right. Well, or, <laughs> or the idea that, yeah, nobody understood even before this that return no other retail environment has you know no other customer service environment deals with returns i mean at curbside well even even a store where you're returning something oh i guess what is that yeah. like at most 20 percent? like if you have a horrible product you're probably getting 20 percent of it back i see we're getting a hundred percent of the material there's no other store where can you imagine a target where everything you bought you took back can you imagine how much the processing, if they had to process it over and over again? I mean, yes. it's like, it's one thing to process new material, but to get the stuff back all the time too. That's just, in, in the best of times, that's double the workload, 
just from mm. the, from the rip of it's a Barnes and Noble, but everything comes back. <laughs> yeah, and then yes. you add there you go. Then you add quarantine to that. So all of these new procedures of like, okay, now returns processing, which was already, you know, fully half of what we did is like now it's expanded out to like two thirds of what we do is just dealing with this stuff coming back. <laughs> that's true. Like that's a good. Re- I like that. If you if Barnes and Noble had to deal with returns, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, nothing else that's has a good the visual smell of returns. Yeah, that's a good visual. So yeah, and I, you know, you wouldn't you. How would you know that until you were doing it? And you're like, it feels like we're doing a lot of this. You are. <laughs> you definitely yeah. are. Yeah. And yeah, and then you add all these new procedures, and it's true. We don't have to deal, hopefully, with programming even though Mm -hmm, I have mm -hmm. like so many they're like you know on the one hand you want to do the fun stuff you want to bring back other stuff besides just circulation so but it it's interesting to me that that's been the focus is okay we have to get circulation going again and is that because at the end of the day that really is what the library still is is that because at the end of the day, that's how libraries get funded. So we're, we don't get anything else if we don't have those circulation numbers. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe those are one and the same. Maybe <laughs> all along. It's just, I, you know, we're always focused on these, like, the new things that we're pushing and not so much the, you know, well, of course, books. Like, you take it for granted. But, like, that really is the point of the library. <laughs> well, you had a perfect segue how could we make curbside fun? Yes. What is, let's. Yeah, so let's definitely let's, end, let's with end on that. A, right. The if, positive if, if you have to do it, do it well. <laughs> yes. So what delights and surprises could do you do it with well. curbside? And of course, yeah, this yeah. only comes after you're doing, uh, jotting all your I's and crossing all your T's in terms yes. of safety. Because Sa- who was I reading a tweet that said, you know, for museums that the blockbuster exhibition of the summer is safety and i was thinking that our bl- like our that. signature event for the summer should be safety i like that um so when you think of it in that way then it's like okay you know when we reopen you know make sure we're getting these new procedures down to a science first but then what are some fun things we could add if it seems like we're capable of doing this and doing it well and maintaining? And that's where it's like theme nights, theme days are great. Some like mm-hmm. fun thing. Maybe the packaging too. I've seen a, a library, they they use brown paper bag, but then they have these cute little stickers that they put on the bag oh, to sort of seal it up. Yeah. I thought that was great marketing. So I thought that, that you know, I would be so delighted if I got this bag um, with the marketing, cute little marketing sticker on it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I thought that would be fun. Like those, we had and, like those fun bookmarks that one year. Like those as stickers would be great that said like, you know, take oh. me home. Yes. Oh, I like that. You know, idea. like those would be great stickers. Yeah. yeah. I'm a great read. Or yeah. Something. Oh, I like that. Oh, I'm, oh, I got to write that down. I got to put that in. That'd be fabulous. Okay. Oh, I, I'm out of post-its. Right. <laughs> I'm literally out of post-its. Oh. There's not one around. Um, and then I was thinking, 
can you do something like a not a book boxing service but you just like again this is like 10 steps down the line can you order a theme right can you just say like just just pick something for me um I'm not sure what I'll get, but based off of my recommendations, I'll get something like yes, yeah, I'll get something completely different. Something like a pick two or pick three, where you're like, I like mysteries, and it's cool if you throw movies in, so you know, okay, two yeah. books and a movie that are mysteries. Yeah. So that's what I was kind of thinking too. Like, how can you change it up a bit? Like, add a little bit of surprise and delight, especially when folks are like, I'm not sure what to read. I'm I just not sure what to read next. And then I was thinking, I read some places where they created, like, because you're doing curbside outside, the ambiance under the tent is very festive. Like, you have, you know, the garden lights or the fairy lights on the tent, and you just create this little, you know, like, oh, that's where I go, and look at how festive it looks. Right, um, yeah. If, if everything something. is curbside, you definitely yeah, want the curbside <laughs> appeal. You want it to be, you know, yeah. like to recognize they can't come in the building. So all of that energy and thought you were putting to, to decorate. I love the idea of doing something outside. Mm-hmm. Especially since it's summer, I would love to right. be outside. <laughs> but I, I mean, I also am a little concerned with, you know, anything that encourages hanging out and crowding is problematic. That's true. But. Okay. So I don't, you don't want it to be like a sp- Ambiance something killer. that I, I know, <laughs> but like you don't want it to be something that looks like I want to stay here. You want it to be something That's that is true. like fun to look at from your car, but you move along. So I don't uh, know how yeah. you encourage that, but like ideally, it would be. That's part of I guess what is so fun about costumes is, it doesn't encourage people to stay. It just is like a fun thing to look at while you're you know you're seeing me for ten seconds. So. It's fun. But I feel like there are things you could do on the outside of the building that weren't. It's kind of almost reverse placemaking. <laughs> or like oh, like you're making it a place, but not that people want to hang out. It's like a weird oh. brain teaser. Of like, <laughs> okay, how do we make it inviting to look at? I mean, I got So, okay. So here's how I would think about it. What would be other instances where... You know, or, okay, so, like, I think about Christmas lights. When a neighborhood decorates for Christmas and it becomes, like, mm-hmm. a destination people drive through. Yes. So. We can put them on a Disney track. We can put right, a, a Yes, track. No, right. Yes. Like, move drive along. Like, we've set this up for you to look at. <laughs> it's like a car wash. It's the Mona Lisa, like, time slots. <laughs> so, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm all in favor of surprise and delight if you can do it yes. in a way that doesn't encourage crowding hashtag surprise delight at a distance <laughs> social distancing surprise and delight yes. oh my gosh this has been a fabulous conversation <laughs> listeners i hope you can add please add your thoughts yes. share your ideas share your best practices share things that were a little alarming and concerning because we can learn from those too um Christina, anything else before we wrap up this? I mean, it was a great conversation. Yeah, it was. We went a little. We went a little longer than normal, folks. But... I'm sorry. We had so much to say. It's such a crazy topic right now, and I'm so right, excited well, to hear yeah. from workers. You know, if anyone's out there doing yes. it, we would really love to hear um, your perspective. Agreed. Agreed. 
because please share those ideas so we could all make this as efficient and um, with very good surprise and delight ideas as the cherry on top so we could get there faster. Yeah, safety and delight. (laughs) Safety and delight. I like that hashtag. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone. Well, thank you for listening. This is Jen. This is Christina. And again, keep up the conversation on Library Ideas Pod. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon.